So we're getting ready for week seven of the NFL season and we've been talking about my bookie over the last couple of weeks. They are a partner here at Rotoviz Radio. I want to take a moment to let you know about them. Parlays, they have all types of action to get involved in, make those games interesting. And if like me, you're a Packers fan or maybe you're a Lions fan, that Monday night football game really came down to the last moment. But if you're not a fan of those teams, one way to make those games extremely interesting is with a little bit of action on those games. So don't be sitting on the sidelines. There's many ways to play over at my bookie with Pro Football college football and the MLB playoffs in full swing and ice hockey and basketball just around the corner now is the time to get in on that action if you sign up right now today at my bookie we can help you get a first deposit match up to $1,000 that is a double your first deposit offer use the code rotoviz when you activate the offer and that will help you to get that bonus added into your account visit my bookie online today that's my bookie and don't forget to use that promo code rotoviz for a double your first deposit offer Bet when get paid. Mahomes has the time, delivers perfectly downfield. Touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown. This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. My name is Colin Kelly. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and I'm joined once again by Mr. Sean Siegel, the fantasy football contrarian, Mr. Zero RB, and he is here. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of good action talked about today, Sean. We've uh, we've had a lot of fun in uh, in week six. Lots of players that we're going to talk about here, including a number of wide receivers who we've been big fans of, but haven't really hit the highlights this season. But boy were their highlights in week six so it's going to be a fun one uh, but really looking forward to the show sean how are you doing this week well much better now after we had the huge game from stefan diggs obviously he's our guy uh multiple really biz uh, writers have very high ownership in him if you had him in your lineups this week he single-handedly delivered you the victory with it being a little bit lower scoring we also had some crazy games where the officials came into play in ways that fans i think were not too fond of but let's start it off by talking about this London game. We have the Panthers and the Bucks. And I have a feeling that you have some comments on this game. You actually had the chance to attend in person and see one of our players, Christian McCaffrey. Now, it wasn't the biggest game for him in terms of uh, turning those touches into yards, but scored a couple times. Still plenty of fantasy points, and I'm sure it was a real treat to see him in person. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, you mentioned Diggs. You know, obviously there's a a lot of fantasy implications with a game like that with guys like Godwin, who we've been big fans of. We've talked quite a bit about Mike Evans. Uh, We've talked, obviously, about Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore. So good to see them. And one of my all-time favorites, uh, Mr. Greg Olson, was there as well. So uh, a real real fun game. Jameis Winston had a tough tough day at the office. And the Panthers' defense uh, looking quite legitimate uh, now as we roll forward here. But we talked a little bit before the show. It it was something um, last week when we recorded, it was not anywhere in the realm of possibility it was a, a lit uh, a lit email on thursday evening from DraftKings, uh, the european division of DraftKings, to to say that there was a uh, ticket there if i wanted them so I, I jumped at the opportunity turns out those tickets uh, were vip hospitality which uh, was a nice little bonus when i went to the ticket office to pick them up so went across with myself and my brother uh, it was like basically spent about eight hours in total in london and that included uh, going to the game watching the game 
doing the VIP thing before the game and then heading back to the airport. So very, very rushed experience, but uh, a lot of fun and uh, too much to pass up on. But as you mentioned, uh, one of the reasons I, I really wanted to, to get this game in was to, to see Christian McCaffrey playing. Wasn't the, the most explosive game from him, but that highlight uh, of the touchdown that he had um, on that pass, uh, you know, really, really spectacular play and uh, just, just cool to see. I, I just like seeing good players um, do cool things. Uh, I think that's part of when you're watching fantasy football like I, I root for the Packers but I like to see good players playing good football and you know guys like uh, Goodwin and Evans there as well really fun game so uh, th- there was quite a, quite a good crowd quite a good atmosphere so big shout out to anyone that was at the game in the UK the the London series has really uh, brought on a life of its own and I, I do think like the players talk about the atmosphere being different there compared to in a home game I think it's probably more like a soccer atmosphere but it's uh, it's really it's really fun so really cool but you did mention too Sean uh, some fans mightn't be too impressed with the officiating this week I hope you're not talking about the Packers Lions game I, I didn't see anything wrong with that game at all you you so interestingly here down the stretch right we have this illegal hands to the face penalty that keeps the drive alive the first one the hand appears to slip and maybe graze the face mask and you know you can despite what the commentators were saying you could see a little bit of a touch there the second one that ended the game a complete phantom call you you Looking at this game and looking at, and again, I'm going to say this purely through the lens of a fan, not necessarily an unbiased observer here, uh, talking about the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes throws his first interception. There's a penalty on the play. Uh, Travis Kelsey gets tackled. The officials huddle up and come out and explain that since uh, their official threw a, pa- a flag for pass interference as opposed to holding and the pass went somewhere else, that they're going to pick that flag up, even though they admit in the explanation that a penalty occurs on the play that completely changed that game. Now the, the chiefs have to keep playing certainly plenty of credit to the Texans for how they came out there and took it to them, especially in the second half there at Arrowhead, which everyone knows is a brutal place to play, but certainly some moments here where the officials changed games and we continue to have uh, these reviews on pass interference that just border on the absurd. Uh, does the NFL have a little bit of an issue here now uh, with the officiating? This was more of like a, a WWF, a wrestling style weekend almost, <laughs> where the games seem to be scripted by outside writers. Yeah, it's like the referees were, were becoming like Vince McMahon and playing a, a healed character uh, for, for the wrestling fans out there. But wh- when we uh, when we look at these games, Sean, there's not a little issue. There's a there's a big issue. And, you know, I jokingly said, you know, even as a Packers fan, the one thing I try and do is look at all these things objectively. And I always say, what do you think if that decision goes against you? And I think whatever about the first one, you mentioned there could have been a contact. The second one certainly wasn't. And like the Packers were in field goal position. So maybe uh, they hit the field goal they give the ball back to the Lions and like we'll never know now what happens but really really poor calls and not just this week but this week was more amplified because they happened to big games and kind of prime time spots and then to big teams as well so that obviously amplifies uh, the talk and the chatter around it but but the decisions like we've seen Aaron Rodgers many many times see that yellow flag come out and do exactly what Patrick Mahomes done and that's what Mahomes re- reminded me of in that play was he seen the flag he took the shot and then it was intercepted but 
in this case, you know, the, the ref's decision, their explanations, there, there's no way he really throws that ball unless he sees that flag and makes that decision that it is going to be pass interference. So a really tough blow there. Obviously a big, big performance uh, from the Texans in that one. We'll be talking about some of the players throughout the rest of the show on those, but really, really disappointing from a ref's angle. The one thing you do want to see on a Monday or a Tuesday morning is all the conversation being about referee indecisions. And yet again, that's where we are. So uh, we're, we're, I'm sure we're going to see some things, you know, talked about as the weeks go on here. Hopefully we'll see some improvements, but the overall standard of the officiating has has been very, very poor. Uh, and just a, a big shout out to the Packers on that one. I must say, in terms of turnovers and mistakes to come out and get a W uh, with that, um, you know, I wasn't expecting what the amount of uh, mistakes were made on the kind of special teams or, uh, you know, different things like that. But big, big one. And uh, I really enjoyed watching that one. But I have to say, feel, feel a little bit for, for the Lions fans out there, for the Chiefs fans and for teams who have had these things. And all teams can relate because, you know, we have the Rams, uh, Saints last year, obviously. But like going back to the Packers, Seahawks, maybe five, six years ago with the, the fail Mary, uh, which should have been an interception. You know, the, these things happen to all teams, but it doesn't make it any easier to take when it when it does happen. So uh, we'll, we'll move on with the show. We, we might touch on it later on, but let's let's get into the positives and let's talk about some of the fantasy players of the week. Before we do that, Sean, I just want to let all the listeners know, as always, Rotoviz Patreon is up and rolling. You can become a Patreon from just $6. That gives you access to that Rotoviz Radio Slack, where you can help gain league winning advice from many of the podcast and writing team. Uh, get in there, get involved, uh, and become a Rotoviz Radio Patreon today uh, and join that exclusive community of listeners. Once again, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash Rotoviz Radio. And as always, you can get yourself that 10% listener discount to Rotoviz NFL Pass right now through the NFL Podcast homepage which is rotaviz.com forward slash podcast that there is also available for that two-year pass so you know get in get involved and don't be missing out on such great offers if you're going for one year that's that's a great saving going for two years big big saving there as well get ready for that playoff push gain access to all the tools you'll have heard a lot of our team on various podcasts talking about some of the great tools that are rolling this season and this this sean uh, i'll get you to touch on it in a second but i would say this is the best season ever in terms of the tools on the site so gain access to that amazing content Get ready to support the podcast network. Once again, rotaviz.com forward slash podcast. Sean, just before we do go on, I like to plug the tools, but do you do you agree with that statement? Best year ever in terms of the tools on site? Oh, I think so. What Mike Beers has done has been absolutely fantastic. And then obviously Anthony Shook doing some crazy work with the DFS lineup optimizer and Dave Cabin with the game level similarity projections and multiple other tools on the site there. These tools were really help you get your lineup going I mentioned a couple weeks ago i recommended kirk cousins specifically off of dave's uh, strength of schedule streaming tool and we saw how that has played out with uh, his numbers more than doubling over the last couple of weeks so many great things in there that will allow you to make the right moves whether it's for dfs or for seasonal where we're really trying to fight down the stretch i know that a couple weeks ago you know i was middle of the pack in most of my leagues and then we had the fuller explosion we had the digs explosion and suddenly looking up and uh, you know a couple of these teams that i'm most invested in uh because you know they're with friends that type of thing my team with curtis my team with ben both of those now have moved up to where if the playoffs started today we would be in and in great position not only for the league playoffs but then for the overall 
uh, huge pot there. So the tools really help with that. The other thing that you know you mentioned allude to is that I've gotten some great feedback from people on how the writers and the podcasters in that Slack channel have helped them really revitalize and shift their teams around to take them from a slow start to where they're really blowing up over the last couple of weeks, putting up some huge scores, you know, really rectifying some of the issues with those teams in real time. So if you want to get in there and, you know, get some great advice from our podcasting team, from our writing team, you know, they'll help you make the moves that allow your dynasty team, your seasonal team to go from uh, perhaps so-so to best of the best as we go down the stretch here. There's still time. We've got uh, lots of, of weeks to go. And as we've seen, and we're going to talk about Stefan Diggs here in just a second, sometimes it can only take that one big week, the 40-point performance from one guy to help your team get you know 150, 175, 200. And then depending on how your format works, obviously you get the win, you move up in points, you move up in terms of your playoff standings. And so you know I, I couldn't recommend it more. And and if nothing else, it's it's a lot of fun to get in there and just chat with those guys, chat with that community, talk football, right? It's a, it's a great environment. And so, you know, for that for that price, you know, you you certainly can't go wrong. So Sean teased it there, but in the second quarter here of the show, we're going to start running through some wide receivers and Stefan Diggs is the name he mentioned. Stefan Diggs is the man who went on fire this past weekend. And obviously we had, you know, you hear about the squeaky wheel. I don't know what you call it when you get a 43.5 point explosion, but that's certainly what he did. And on the season, moving himself up to wide receiver 15 based on that one performance, he was wide receiver 52 after the first uh, five weeks of the season. So doesn't paint you know, a picture of overall consistency, but um, shows what that one week did for his overall uh, standings in terms of season long. But Stefan Diggs, we do know, Sean, that he can do this. We have seen it in the past. When he's healthy, we've seen pretty consistent production. The problem is when he hasn't been healthy. But over the first few weeks of the season, this team was really held back. I remember watching week two uh, in San Diego with TJ Hernandez, and we were talking about basically that the team didn't want to have a quarterback. They just wanted to run the ball in every play. And over the last two weeks, they have really sprung into life with Thielen the week before and Diggs this week. Uh, some some very good performances in the last two weeks by uh, Kirk Cousins. I know looking at both defenses, Giants and Eagles, you could say they are soft, particularly in the secondary. This is the way to beat both of those defenses, but can't take anything away from him in terms of uh, what they've done over the last two weeks. But Stefan Diggs, as you mentioned, is a, a road of his favorite uh, since the day he stepped onto the field uh, in the NFL. And I would say he will continue to be until the day he retires from the NFL. So your thoughts, uh, I'm sure you enjoyed this this week. I know some people might have had them on their, you know, might have had them on their bench. But if you're playing in deep leagues like we do with a lot of roster spots, uh, and if you are a road of his subscriber, there's not much chance he's going to be sitting on your bench anyways. And is that right? Yes and no. Uh, Curtis and I did have him on our bench. We have uh, a a very strong core of wide receivers that has, other than Diggs, really done for the most part what we had hoped they would do. You know, Cooper Cup, Calvin Ridley, Curtis Samuel was the guy that Dave Cabin recommended in his three and out last week as someone who's going to blow up. He obviously had the big performance this last week. And so... We put him on the bench. We didn't know. And looking back on it, there wasn't any sort of frustration because there wasn't any way that he was going to be in there. However, one of the things that I always talk about is that you want to root for your bench guys, even though it's unbelievably infuriating when you have these massive point totals on the bench. The best teams that I've had, 
are the ones who have the most bench points because you have the best players, right? And so it was easier for Curtis and me to handle what happened because we still scored 170. I didn't look again last night uh, to see if we were the highest scorers in the league. If we had played digs, we would have gone over 200 for the second straight week. But overall, the weekend moved us up into the top four, uh, third in points. And so, you know, we're sitting pretty from that perspective. And this game from Diggs now allows us to cover the buys as our other receivers go on by. We have a team where David Johnson, Stefan Diggs, a couple of our early picks don't have buys during that FFPC window. And so in terms of at least making the playoffs, that can really help us here. And Dick specifically, you mentioned that he had been down, and it's been down for a while, right? Because this was well, going into this game, he had had ten consecutive games in which he'd been held under twenty points and finished no better than a weekly wide receiver too, which is one of those cool things you can see very easily when you pull up the visualization from the NFL Stat Explorer that Mike Pierce has built. Now you go in, you look at that. The last eight of them are obviously since they changed offensive coordinators, changed direction, and so pretty serious concerns about how that was going to continue and then obviously we had this near mutiny after week four you combine that with the softer schedule or a schedule to attack for the wide receivers and suddenly things are looking very different the thing here that i think is tricky and a reason for both caution and enthusiasm is that Thielen and Diggs are probably the best tandem in the nfl certainly you might get some uh push for the mike evans chris godwin tandem now with how godwin has absolutely exploded looks like one of the very best receivers in the nfl uh if you're a huge ridley believer which i don't think he is quite uh capitalized on everything that i had had hoped at the beginning of the season you might put something in there for him and julio uh certainly extreme will fuller fans like myself you know would would put hopkins and fuller in that category but i think we're really looking at Thielen and Diggs as the top guys here the problem is that they even after these last couple of games they rank number 42 and number 45 in expected points right so that's what their volume is giving them and then thankfully they rank fourth and fifth in fantasy points over expectation so even with that lousy volume, they are so good that they're generating these big plays and they jump up that. If you look purely on a target basis, then the top three guys with almost identical numbers are Chris Godwin, DJ Chark, and Stefan Diggs. Now with Diggs, it's all of this week, right? And so you're really looking at one week in which, again, the player might be on the bench. Now he was in the lineup for, for the team I have with Ben. Obviously that really launched us up. Uh, on most of my other main events as you mentioned with these deep rosters but when you're looking at one week that's going to be less uh, fulfilling for you than looking at the whole season but this is more evidence that these guys need to be targeted sitting right in between Diggs and Thielen there is Amari Cooper obviously we saw what happened with him when I was on the mailbag last week with Mike you know we're talking about how the Diggs Cooper decision was the worst decision that I made for this year and certainly I think one of the worst decisions I've made for several years however again we see it only takes one week for these decisions to maybe look a little bit different with Diggs having the big game and Cooper going out and so we see this the other thing that I think that we saw here is that Diggs has the ability to beat defenders everywhere 
right? He had multiple touchdowns of 50 plus yards on Sunday. And what that gives him now is more yards on passes that have traveled 20 yards in the air than he had all of last season. And that's unequivocally a good thing. The problem is that you need those other targets to fill out your portfolio. Last year, he was targeted 101 times within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. Now, that may be a little bit overkill. It may be using a player who has this fantastic ability to get deep, to get in the intermediate area, to win everywhere. When you're using them almost in the same routes that you might use a running back, that's a little bit of a waste. At the same time, you take that 101, you look at his current status with 17, and you can pull these up in the past location portion of the NFL Stat Explorer. That's where we're not getting those targets for these guys that they need to be able to comfortably start them each week. So in terms of what the Vikings are doing, they're still down at the bottom in terms of expected points. A lot of what's happened here has come from big plays, not necessarily from overall volume. So I think these are hugely positive signs for these receivers, but you know the red flags are, are still definitely lurking there. If you have digs, would you be trying to sell after this explosion now that his value is somewhat back or do you think people are still going to be skeptical because they know that all of this value came on just a handful of plays i think if you're in uh league sean like that we'd be in obviously people are going to know that now you could try it in um you know so, some other leagues that people mightn't be aware of, but i do think with digs it's one of those ones that i think over the last two weeks you know we've we've seen the situation where there was almost a mutiny after four weeks uh, in minnesota and you know stefan digs and Thielen over the last two weeks have both started to get a little bit going they've continued they've kind of taken a little bit of the shackles off for kurt cousins now let's see how long that lasts for but i think there's there's optimism here for this minnesota passing attack moving forward i i think it'll be a time now if you obviously if you've if you've got digs at the start of the season you know you're drafting them quite high so i would be keeping them as is currently moving forward because I, I don't think you'll get anywhere near what you paid from at the start and i know sometimes we need to get off those players you know at some point but unless it's season long of its dynasty I, I wouldn't be giving up really under under many circumstances he's still somebody who's gonna is on a lot of my rosters and i guess that's where i would be looking at you know making that decision what I or wouldn't I move him and on my rosters he's not somebody I'm actively looking to to move at any at any point and and those dynasty leagues but there, there may be roster construction issues that you might have to move him for but I, I would be holding on uh, somebody else who I've, I've held on for all season long Sean and and he's kicked it into high gear this past week that's Robbie Anderson we talked in the offseason quite a bit and I know I mentioned it a lot about the possibility of Sam Darnold taking that uh, step forward in year two obviously he missed this season for well-documented uh, or not missed the season missed the, the, the last couple of games for well-documented issues but I think in this game against the Cowboys we kind of seen what he can help this offense do and I think you know we've seen Robbie Anderson uh, have, have the long touchdown and you know we're both big Robbie Anderson fans but I, I think you can't underestimate the difference that Darnold may, makes to this offense and while we're not going to see this every week I do think that this offense is going to look a hell of a lot different than it did look through those first couple of weeks so what's your thoughts on Anderson having the breakout performance this week and you know moving forward is this what you're going to kind of not this performance but you know 100 yard games and uh, and getting touchdowns games is that what you're expecting the rest of the way because I haven't really seen much of a downside with Anderson when he has had even average quarterback play um you know where a quarterback's competent it hasn't had to be great quarterbacks because we've seen him do it with a, a multitude of different quarterbacks but i think when darnell's there um I, I think there's chances for for big games here certainly and you want to see this uh, tandem continue to develop their report pull up the game splits app and you can see that since the drafting of darnold he's averaged 12.6 points a game 
with him, only 6.4 without him. Obviously, the first is very playable as a wide receiver two, wide receiver three, and then the other, you would certainly have to keep him on your bench. And I think the return for Darnold here comes at a perfect time for fantasy owners as we start to head into the really heavy buy season and you need to be able to use Anderson to cover these buys for some of your other guys. So this is a, a very encouraging development. The other issue here I think that is somewhat interesting is that while he's been much better with Darnold since he was drafted, his best season actually came the year before Darnold joined the team, scored 200 points, finished as wide receiver 18. That was also the only season of his first three where he was targeted an average of less than 15 yards down the field. Now, we know that getting this total volume from these deep targets can be very, very helpful. And one of the reasons why you love a player like a Darnold, you love a player like a Will Fuller, is you can get this touchdown. They may not all be 92 yarders, but you can get these deep targets, which turn into a lot of points in a hurry. On the other hand, just like we were talking about with Diggs, we want to have these underneath targets as well to fill out the portfolio, give us a little bit of a weekly floor, right? 2019 we're back to him having that average target depth that is lower the problem is that his target share has also dropped and so just the overall volume of targets is not there for him i think the key thing and the thing to really track is if his target share jumps over the next month and i'd like to think with him being their big time playmaker and their obvious their offense obviously needing that and immediately looking much sharper right you you throw out there an offense that has Robbie Anderson, that has Jamison Crowder as you know a move the chains kind of threat, and certainly that has Le'Veon Bell. You put a competent quarterback out there, and it's a whole different story. This offense starts to look, if not exciting, at least mediocre, which from a fantasy perspective is a big jump from what they've been doing. And so I'm going to be really tracking his target numbers over this next month you know as i'm using him to fill buys and and hoping that we see those target numbers jump so that he can be a real real impact player during that time period yeah and i think we talked about it i think it was last week maybe the week before but Le'Veon bell um i think we'll start to see this offense become much more efficient uh, and i think that'll also help bell uh to, to put up more fantasy points so looking forward to seeing how the jets do over the next couple of weeks and their schedule does soften up a bit now over the, the common weeks as we mentioned uh, previous in the show as well uh, a shout out to uh, one of the rookies who we haven't really touched on i don't think at all sean on the show so far uh, and he's been really rolling them um, since he came into the league missed a couple of games there with injuries but uh, terry mclaren has uh, you know already put up the 23 receptions 408 yards uh, and has five tds on the year had two tds and 100 yards this last week and uh, i have to say uh, you know some exceptional right running for a rookie wide receiver and somebody who we probably weren't expecting huge amounts from but uh to start off his career but has really rolled uh, significantly impressively over the first couple of weeks here but um you you mentioned as well that there is some uh, red flags p- possibly to watch out for uh, in the coming week right and and like you mentioned just a fantastic start to his career uh, patrick corain a uh, former world of his radio voice that people are very familiar with great dynasty uh, guru is going to have some trade articles out uh, looking potentially at him readers will want to look out for those uh, this guy wide receiver 14 to this point and that includes both a buy 
and a Colt McCoy start. <laughs> right. So again, if we pull out the Game Splits app and simply look at games started by Case Keenum, which you know is not the same thing as saying you know games started by Patrick Mahomes or somebody like that, and you know, he's averaging over twenty-one points a game in those starts. So obviously a blazing start there. This is the second time that he landed on the fantasy points over expectation leaderboard, which I've been profiling each week. And you look at that, certainly very exciting. He's going to be the focal point of that team. On the other hand, we do have some concerns just about, again, overall volume as Washington has given a lot of signs that if possible, they would like to take the Minnesota Vikings approach. And you look at a few of his teammates, right? Paul Richardson, 6.4 expected points minus 6.4 points over expectation which is essentially telling you that he scored zero uh trey quinn almost identical situation so we're not seeing the efficiency with the other guys we know that efficiency tends to bounce around a little bit now i'm a big believer that it can give you a strong signal that certain players are players who number one are good and number two are going to see increased volume i don't think there's any question about that with him i mean he's going to be the guy he's their star right uh in seasonal leagues if you can get a huge return then i think you remove a little bit of the risk that you might have some you know digs ish sorts of issues certainly i think if you're in dynasty leagues you would need a monster package to go the other direction uh just in chatting with pat a little bit you know he was mentioning to me the players who get off to starts like this tend to go even earlier in the next year's uh, dynasty startup drafts than you might think right so even with all of the enthusiasm sometimes in season it takes us a little bit of time to really realize just how high the dynasty value is likely to climb in the short term and so even if you're buying high on someone like this or it feels like you're buying high you may end up being you may end up be sitting on a value you know in, in just a few months time so certainly some different angles to consider if you're looking at trades with this you know, star for Washington. Before we move on, I want to let you know about ShipStation. When you're selling online, getting orders out quick can be a real pain. It can be time-consuming, it can be expensive, and so many carriers to choose from. How do you know that you're making the best choice? It's really simple. All you need to do is go to ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. ShipStation helps you get your orders out quickly, brings all those carriers and orders onto one simple interface, and helps you make those decisions quickly and efficiently, making them really easy to manage from any device even on your cell phone they work with all the major carriers ups fedex and many many more so you can compare choose the price solution that's best for you and your customer no wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers you'll ship in less time with the best rates and right now our listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use the offer code blue that's the offer code blue there's absolutely no risk you can start your free trial now without even entering any credit card information just head on over to shipstation.com click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in the code blue that's shipstation.com the offer code is blue shipstation.com make ship happen I want to take a moment as well to tell you about our friends over at Roman. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just try and brush it off. Maybe you say, I lost my mojo, avoided altogether, I had a long day at work. People use different excuses for different things. But 
with Roman now, it's easy to talk about it, get a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. The doctor will work with you for the best treatment plan, and if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is very straightforward. Getting started is simple. Just go to getroman.com forward slash bluewire and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there is Roman. Complete that online visitation today, connect with a doctor, and then and help take care of it. Just go to getroman.com forward slash bluewire to get a free online visit today and free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com forward slash bluewire. Once again, getroman.com forward slash bluewire. So, Sean, as we move into the third quarter, we're going to look at some of the expected points. Week six, uh, obviously, had a few guys that really jumped up here. We have uh, David Johnson to talk about. And we've talked about David Johnson in the past. And I think a couple of shows I listened to last week, I have a feeling they may have been listening to our podcast over the last uh, kind of three or four weeks where you talked about David Johnson looking slower, looking a bit sluggish, but doing a lot of work in the receiving game, but getting into the end zone to help with those points. But what did week six uh, change off your thoughts? Or is it the exact same situation that we had previously? Still putting points on the board, though, uh, which is always the, the key here to fantasy football. Right. And we're looking at Blair Andrews article again on expected points. And he talks about how David Johnson is averaging double digit expected points in the receiving game. And that's something we talk about a lot, that if you want to have one of these elite uh, elite running backs, you need them to be involved in the passing game. And if possible, you want them to get up in that eight, nine, 10. And certainly with the 10 range, you're talking about the ultra elite running backs, a Christian McCaffrey, a Le'Veon Bell, that type of player. Johnson has now been in double digit expected points four out of the six weeks. And like I said, averaging double digits as a receiver. And this is covering up a lot of shortcomings, right? Johnson has been a double double guy in the past where he's averaged double digits in both rush EP and receiving EP. He's not doing it currently as a rusher. And Blair talks about Chase Edmonds. He's been much more efficient. You watch the games and it's night and day how quickly they hit the line. I think we can continue to expect him to cut into the rush attempts simply because of how stark that difference is, uh, even with Johnson being this big name. On the other hand, Johnson, such a fantastic receiver that from a fantasy perspective, right, he's averaging over 20 points a game. He's got four out of five weeks, I mean, five out of six weeks now as a running back one. And so you're certainly not upset with the, the total value. And he made another highlight real touchdown catch in week six which number one gets you those fantasy points and number two is going to stick in both kyler murray's head and the head coach's head when you're talking about play calling and uh, scheme package utilization what they're going to do down there by the goal line so i still think if you get a big offer for david johnson you have to consider it with the way he looks as a runner but simply from a fantasy perspective and certainly from a redraft perspective you're not going to find a better receiver outside of christian mccaffrey and that is really holding him up at this point moving into the the category now sean of uh, almost but not quite we're looking at some players who maybe uh, we thought we're going to have monster starts to the season and some players who have had very good starts to the season but then their efficiency hasn't uh, been up there and you know we have mike evans and deandre hopkins at the top of this list ezekiel elliott's in there as well um 
what are your thoughts obviously on the two guys you know there there's been issues with how they're being used but i really don't think you know hopkins i think that's more so the case with with evans i think there's both the quarterback issue and the quarterback at least has given him chances to make plays there's some issues then with him not being able to make the plays like we see you know when you have two players like somebody like a godwin somebody like an evans you see what evans is doing with his opportunities and you see what godwin is doing with his opportunities there, there's part of it's going to be down to the the targets he's getting and the opportunities he's getting from that perspective but there's not a huge amount of difference between the two the way the two guys are being used what do you think is is causing that efficiency deficit for for somebody like Evans do you think it's just a case of his play this year has dropped off a little bit compared to what we've seen previously a bit like when we talked about earlier with the big week for Diggs uh, this week we had the big week for Evans a couple of weeks ago uh, you know outside of that then obviously there, there has been uh, a dip and, and certainly Godwin seems to be the the main target on this on this offense currently you mentioned the underperformance here and the Bucks spent all week talking about how they were going to get Mike Evans involved and they did not disappoint in terms of the targets themselves evans was number one on the week in expected points and he delivered a 20 point fantasy game which certainly as an owner you can't be too disappointed by but he was in the bottom four overall all players in terms of fantasy points over expectation and that probably even understates how much potential value loss there was i know that ben and i were texting back and forth about all of those drop passes evans dropped probably 20 points worth of deep targets here should have had another one of those 40 point games now one of the problems with the deep targets is that a lot of them are are very uncatchable but even in this case where the targets are catchable when you're you're looking 67 yards down the field you know that's a, a difficult pass to bring in now you mentioned godwin uh looks like a much bigger threat sort of in the intermediate areas and just uh so much more agile so much more ability to do multiple things than evans right now and so it's difficult to really think we're going to see big changes in this other than both players are going to score a ton of points in this offense with the strengths and weaknesses of this team colin having been at this game and seeing these deep passes these brutal drops in person uh what did they look like to you did did they look like drops did he look like he was going to bring these passes in should he have grabbed these and you know continued to sort of trot into the end zone for this massive week how did you see it being there in the stadium i really like like i've always liked mike evans but i've always thought his problem was a little bit you know there's nearly never yards after the catch so it's pretty much where he catches it that's the end of the the play but like this past week you know 17 targets nine receptions 96 yards and you know obviously we're talking about this being (laughs) been a disappointing game for him um you know that shows as well what we kind of think of what he could do but um when we look at you know the, the the 17 targets 96 yards a very poor return I, I thought some of the passes to him were very poorly thrown passes i also thought that he could have done a lot more with the, those opportunities that he was given but when, what i really noticed is when you're watching somebody like him and you're watching somebody like chris godwin at the same time it looks like mike evans is almost running in quicksand i know he's a, he's a little little bit taller he's a little bit bigger but there's not a huge amount of difference there it just looks like as you mentioned you know what godwin's doing it's just it's it's faster it's more efficient it's better overall and maybe maybe that's just because he's been he's on the same team so it's a very comparable 
uh, kind of thing to do. But overall, I, I just thought there was a lot left there on the field. You know, obviously we can see that in the, the efficiency tool, but you could see that this week <laughs> without it. But the, the, the level that it's at is, is quite staggering. Um, and I, I think it's going to be difficult. And it's going to be difficult for this Buccaneers team because they're probably going to try and, you know, take in the reins a little bit on Winston over the next couple of weeks because some of the interceptions he threw were, were mind-bogglingly bad. Like, we started this game, I don't have the the time stamps up in front of me but i was sitting around the 50 yard line and th- that first interception was right towards us i think there might have been like six seconds or five seconds gone in the game like to start off on that sort of mindset and then for it to continue on but the the chances were there for evans but th- there's no doubt about it in terms of this team there's only one wide receiver that you can really start confident in that that is godwin um i i have i have a lot of concerns about evans going forward he did have the big week a couple of weeks ago and we will see that but the, the consistency just has not been there Colm, another interesting player from this week who we tend to talk about uh, with a decent amount of frequency because he's one of those guys who can flip from a weak winning weapon to someone who's really sort of a fringe starter based on if he's healthy if he's in the right situation is Tevin Coleman. Now, Coleman ranked number five in expected points this last week, trailing really only the big guns of Elliott Johnson, McCaffrey, and Chubb, but he was dead last among all players in fantasy points over expectation. Now, given the usual efficiency of the San Francisco running game, should we take this as a sign that some big, you know, really field-tilting weeks are in his future, or is it a concern that his efficiency falls immediately after the 49ers suffered really a string of injuries to their key blockers over the last couple of weeks i think with coleman what we're going to see is that it does look like he's going to get that goal line work uh, and i think that's going to keep him kind of buoyed at a fantasy level as the season goes on you know but i think it's really going to be touchdown dependent from him. i think what we've probably seen over the last uh, two weeks is i do think matt breed is a better runner uh you know as a running back but i don't think that the team uh trusts him in those short yardage situations and around the goal line as much as they do with coleman um so it's, it's going to be difficult it's definitely going to be a split backfield the rest of the way and it's going to be tough to, to start either with confidence because I, I do think we'll see a situation where breeder likely gets the yards and then we'll likely see a situation where uh, like this week um you know coleman finds his way into the end zone i think it's gonna be interesting as well if there's a situation where this team falls behind in any game i think that's really going to flip the way this team is is operated um you know compared to what it currently is they have a really good defense they've been kind of playing to that formula so far throughout the season and i think we're going to see that play into to consideration you know i would be very interested to see if they fall behind if they were to fall behind sean the the part that i thought that when coleman was signed that he could really kind of get in was in terms of his uh receiving game but it looks like that is somewhere where Breda is trusted in this backfield do you think that you know rest of season picking one of these running backs which are you going for would you rather have Coleman or would, for the goal line attempts or would you rather have Breda for that uh, opportunity in the passing game I have a slight lean to Breda as well for many of the reasons that you're mentioning including the fact that right now I don't think there's any more explosive running back uh, hitting the hole creating those big plays than Breda and certainly in this offense which lends itself to creating holes and then big plays you know you want that guy and exactly what you've mentioned the last two weeks his usage in the passing game has completely changed around the dynamic there if they continue to do that then he has all of the things you need to be a star the problem is that it's just been these last couple of weeks and there are so many different opportunities in the last year and a half to go that direction and 
for it to take this long, I think certainly raises the question of whether or not that will continue. Tevin Coleman, another player who has been very good as a receiver with Kyle Shanahan. So I think we could see that flip. We could see some more receptions from him. Both of these guys, though, I think are very playable unless you're rock solid and loaded at the running back position. And probably in those cases, you structured your draft such that your wide receivers are maybe a little bit weaker and these guys make very good flex options. So I don't, I mean, if you have one of them, that's the guy you'll play. If you have them both, you know, you might lean toward Brita. Certainly, I think they're both guys you might look to go out and trade for, or if someone is willing to give you a package based on them being a clear cut, you know, RB1, RB2 borderline type of player, then maybe you might sell to differentiate a little bit and and minimize a little bit of that risk but both of these guys are exciting i think this offense is going to tick back up and and be very explosive and and hopefully they'll be able to overcome some of the losses that they've had so sean we're going to jump into overtime and i know we're looking here um at at a player that you wanted to bring up after monday night football so uh, you wrote the script for this part so I'll, i'll let you jump in and and introduce the player that you want to talk about yeah, so we're looking at Colum's favorite team here. And one of my favorite guys in Alan Lazard. Lazard is one of my longtime Debbie holds, someone I spent uh, quite a bit of time, mostly obviously for fun, uh, watching him at Iowa State. He comes out, he's a bizarrely undervalued prospect, right? He falls out of the draft despite having the same freak score as DJ Chark. Obviously, we've seen what he's been able to do with his size, speed uh, profile this year. Lazardi guy, a 4-5-5-40 at 6'5", 225. He was productive enough throughout his career as a cyclone that if we propose a hypothetical scenario where he has a draft slot of 60, right, and the box score scout, you go into the tool, you can put in a draft slot if you just want to see how the player would compare if they were drafted somewhere else. If you do that, then suddenly his comps are guys like Corden Sutton and Debo Samuel, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, Nikhil Harry, A.J. Brown. Now, because of the specifics of it, you do have a couple of, of red flags in there and that you have a Laquan Treadwell, you have a Cody Latimer. But we can see that his production profile and his athletic profile, they both suggest a big-time receiver, but obviously all the teams had a chance to draft him, didn't do so. Uh spent tons of time on practice squad over the past year so a team that was receiver needy could have gone out and gotten him only really getting this opportunity now that the packers have had some very significant wide receiver injuries but he was really the hero for them last night won that game so call him as a big packers fan after this big game on monday night football does he have a future in green bay it's it's uh you know future's a, an easy one to answer this i think he has a future but whether it's as a, a wide receiver one or wide receiver two that's the the part that uh, is very difficult to answer obviously you know still still very still very young uh, 23 years old but the thing is you mentioned he's been on he's been on the, the practice squad for quite some time didn't get drafted uh, when you look back you mentioned the devi situation uh any any leagues that i had i was only in a couple of devi leagues uh ever, ever uh but in those the the buzz was always around lazard uh, before he came 
came in. And then when he didn't get drafted, I ended up with him on pretty much all my taxi squads uh, through through his first season. But a lot of those spaces now obviously have been re- reallocated to different people. So not, not on any of the rosters any longer. But um, last night, uh, we're recording this on Tuesday. So on Monday Night Football, uh, the Packers were down to the true bare bones at the wide receiver position. Uh, there wasn't a lot there. You know, it was kind of like, uh, you know, we had MVS and he went down with an injury and was kind of playing sporadically. Uh, we know that uh, Devontae Adams is out at the moment. So it was really time for somebody to step up. And the, the thing is, they're, even at the, at the wide receiver tree position, whether that's Geronimo Allison or whether it has a chance now to be somebody like Lazard, it certainly gives him an opportunity um, that he wouldn't have had if he didn't have a game like he did last night. They'll be talk about him. They'll be trying to get some more looks towards him, perhaps. And in big spots when they need a big catch, as he did come up with it. So you know we'll see we'll see what happens moving forward in terms of uh, fantasy production he's definitely worth a stash on on your rosters you know if you're in a deep dynasty league but in terms of season long uh, i i don't think he's somebody that i'll be allocating uh, any waiver budget to sean this week but what, what's your thoughts would you be with the history you have with him would there be more interest there i just think that you know when you get Devonte adams back in this offense and when mvs is healthy he's definitely not going to surpass them at this current moment in time but there's no doubt that the Packers do need players to be able to step forward and make plays and with his speed and with his size he's somebody that they can use you know across from Adams and there's a different type of player to Adams and to uh, MVS so what's your thoughts you know would you be allocating some waiver budget in case in case we see a couple of games here where he can get on the field I think you're looking more at a first come first serve player once you move through that first wave of bidding especially because we do need to see uh, sort of what the situation with Devontae Adams is going to be what the situation with a few of these other guys is going to be I have to admit and I'm like you where I'm in the same situation where once that taxi eligibility uh, is exhausted then you have to kind of go in a different direction for someone who's mostly a practice squad kind of guy but you know it does intrigue me and the Packers now with Lazard and MVS and Equinemia St. Brown, they put together a group of three of the top four freak score wide receivers from that 2018 draft. And you look at them, the people they are obviously the most interested are those other two guys. Well, Lazard was the player who was the best college player, and it wasn't particularly close, right? So we know how well production tends to translate to the NFL. And I have to think that they liked what they saw on Monday night. And yeah, you you certainly hope that he gets a little bit more of a look. Uh, I love to see guys like a Jerome Allison, you know, who were not these early draft picks, get a chance, emerge, and have that great story. I think the underdog story with all of those guys is, is one of the best things about sports and professional sports. At the same time, I don't think that we're seeing the talent level from any of these guys, other than obviously Adams, that this offense needs. I think that Lazard has demonstrated through his collegiate performance, which again translates very well to the NFL, that he has the ability that some of these other guys maybe they're hoping for and, and really haven't shown. So certainly a deep, deep flyer, you know, if you have a spot on your 30-man roster in, in deeper dynasty leagues. And there are a lot of guys who are on the bye week seven at wide receiver. So you know, if you get down to Friday, Saturday, and you can't find anybody else, there are certainly worse directions you can go, you know, if we see the right kind of news coming out of Green Bay this week. 
Yeah, and there you have it, uh, Alan Lazard, week seven match winner. Get him in those lineups, but I, I think I think exactly what Sean had on there is correct. But um, for me personally, um, when all th- hope seemed to be lost in Monday Night Football, Lazard came up uh, big there, so uh, he'll have a special place in my heart this week. That that is for sure. But when we move on, Sean, that that's really uh, going to do it for today's show. We've we've gone through a lot of players, a lot of topics, and really covered some good distance uh, and really went into overtime there, looking at Lazard. So I think we might try and do that uh, and overtime highlight maybe a player that we we think that um is definitely um, a lower end prospect not in terms of what he did at college but in terms of what we could do for the rest of the season and highlight those so uh, fun stuff there we're finishing up the show too as always make sure you check out the patreon get signed up to a sub there's lots of great stuff going on there listen on all the different podcast apps you do listen on but make sure you subscribe to get those once they come out each and every week I didn't mention at the start of the show too, but you might have heard that new intro music coming in as well. So uh, ch- changing things up a little bit, a little bit of a new music coming in. So you'll hear new music on the way out as well. Hopefully you've enjoyed that uh, as we as we spice things up here. But that's going to do it for today's edition of the show. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. My co-host is Sean Siegel. And make sure, as always, as the week goes on, Sean will be releasing more content up on the site. Do not miss any of those if you want to get the edge in your league. And with that, that's going to do it for this week's edition. Until we're back with another one. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us by email at rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 10% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. <laughs>